got you don't love me. Why that you don't love me? Scotty, could you love me? And Georg and all the other people, the fractional listeners who have been left behind. There is no love in me, John. No love in me. I am a loveless person. <laughs> What's the matter? Are you, are you having pandemic you know, blues? Have you hit the wall like everyone else on the planet? No, I'm just lying, John. I'm full of love. The love is flowing out of me. It's, you know, I'm going to have to get on a step soon because otherwise I'm going to drown in all the love. Love cleanup on aisle three. <laughs> yes. There we are. Oh, I guess you're referring to the fact that I, I bailed on you last week. Yes. Yes. My therapist says that it's not me, that it's it's Scotty. He just basically <laughs> said the problem in your life, Mr. Fox, is that you just need to get people like Scotty out of it. Terrible, <laughs> I'm not just people like terrible just Scotty. Get Scotty out of your life just and your Scot- life will be perfect. Yeah. I am sure there are many people for whom that therapist could just, you know, we could just make a recording mm-hmm. and then charge two hundred bucks an hour and just be honestly, done. It's- it's just a it's just a male merge problem in work. <laughs> dear insert name here. Just get rid of Scotty out dear, of your life. Dear first name. Yes. The problem all the problems in your life in the world could be fixed if Oh dear. Well, there we are. Maybe, maybe then, you know, I did like your suggestion earlier on, or maybe I read it as your suggestion, whether it was that yeah, we have partial listeners. Maybe we should just do a partial recording and um you could you could drop me out of it. No, no, I, I wouldn't be able to do it. I would be I would be flailing about without you. Well, Scotty, do you want to tell me about your week, or should I tell you about my week, last week and this week? Oh, well, we have a whole two weeks to catch up on. John, John, I'm not sure I can wait to hear about yours, so let you, uh, you can go first. Well, thank you, Scotty. Let's talk about me, um, and then you can talk about me. So, um, Yes, okay, fair enough. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, last week I was reminded uh, that... Uh, it is important that if you write your own components to, to, you know, your your own classes to replace Apple classes, you may be responsible for some of the things that Apple classes give you. And uh, so one of those cases was with uh, tab bars. So, um, you know, I've been talking endlessly about things like dynamic type. And one of the, the design issues you have with dynamic type is that you can bump up the font size for parts of your app, but there are certain, you know, layout constrained areas, tab bars being one of them, that there's no way you can bump up the font, um, you know, large enough for it to at all work. So Apple's solution is that if you long press on a tab bar item and if you're using dynamic type and if you've set the, the font size to be one of the largest accessibility sizes... Um, there will be like a little kind of magnify magnification of the the title uh, that and also the icon and it kind of sits in the center and it looks really nice. So um, it just so happens that we rolled our own tab bar for for very good reasons, just like a bunch of other third party apps. But uh, this was missing. Um, so I thought, okay, great. You know, it shouldn't be that hard to implement. And it wasn't particularly hard. But one of the things I learned that I would like to share with our fractional listener is that. Um, there, if you look at it, um, and I can have show notes for this, but you look at it, it has this kind of milky, you know, milky white background for it, um, which is really pleasant. And it seemed to me that must be some special thing that wasn't just an image that was in there it was actually a, a visual effects view. 
Um, and so you have visual effects view, you have blur views, you can use them together. You know, you search on the internet and there are plenty of examples for, for people using it. it. shows you the mechanics of it. It's a little bit tricky about how you organize things together. It really depends on what you want to do it. So the, the, the stacking order of your view uh, makes sense. And if you want to have the entire thing, all the contents of your sub view, the, the icon, the label, so on and so forth, then you kind of have to put that in the container view and stack it just right. So that that's kind of the trick for, for getting it to work at all. But then the other trick is to be able to figure out which of the possible settings for doing it. So after I got it working and I, I kind of looked at the, at the, the, you know, the, the different options you have from from then there's light there's dark there's various kind of you know uh, pattern things and one of my colleagues suggested is like well and there are also apple private ones that that civilians like us might not have access to but he did something that i thought was very clever uh is that since this is all nicely and swift um that you can use swift previews even for just regular components um and so then you can just with a little bit of swift ui which is so delightful it's very very easy to make something that will loop through all the different options and then in about five seconds, you can say, oh, yeah, that's absolutely the one we want to use, which is uh, a, a very good technique. I thought it was really helpful. It made me feel very happy. Um, and then the other thing that I found is uh, it's just a reminder that when you're using reusable components, you know, I did this specifically for the tab bar view, but in fact, it could, it could be used for any type of place where you're trying to magnify an icon because that's in design world. You know, there's some people who say icons are the way in the light, you know, but the reality is that an icon that makes sense for you in your context may be completely indecipherable to somebody on the other side of the world who just doesn't have that 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 concept. So that made me happy. Um, and uh, that's that's a bit of happiness that was for last week. And I can share some sadness um, that then turned to happiness and resolution, if you'd like to hear that. I think that that sounds like a proper story arc, that uh, sadness to, to happiness. In fact, you know, a good story should start happy, then go sad, and then go happy again. So um, I guess we've just done you happy. Go for it. Okay. Well, uh, so uh, there was a nasty bug that was reported, and uh, relating to... Um, we have parental controls, right? And you can you can protect your profile with a PIN. So you can say, I don't want anybody to access my PIN unless they know the, the PIN for it. Um, and so that's, that's, you know, that was something we rolled out a long time ago. But then we started hearing these reports that saying that people were having the PIN entry appear multiple times and, and I couldn't figure it out. There was, I looked through the code, all, tried to exercise in a million different ways, couldn't figure it out. And I was getting very sad because we actually saw a, a video of it. And in looking at the experience, it was just heinous. Well, as it turns out, uh, there is an accessibility setting. Well, it's a combination of accessibility and other settings. If you go into the accessibility settings and keyboard, there's a toggle you can see to enable full keyboard access. And this is something that has a, a, a it's subtle, but it's kind of weird that if you have a hardboard keyboard, you know, that just means you can do things like, you know, enable keyboard shortcuts for, you know, make the tab bar do certain things or the space bar, that type of thing. We, we did that. It's a good citizen thing to do. But it also has this, you know, effect that if you have, uh, if you have this setting turned on when you have collection views, if you implement the delegate method should select item at index, which can be done, at, at, you know, it's basically determined should this thing be selected because there may be logics like, nope, we shouldn't be able to select it because whatever condition is, is true. But that method, uh, which during the normal course of action, you know, kind of gets called w once per, per loop, when you have this setting on, it gets get called 
all the time, all the time, all the time. It can be disastrous if if you put if you react to it in, in when you shouldn't. And uh, I found out that, that that in this component, which had been written by someone else um, a long time ago, and I th- uh, and and it it really kind of I think is an in, incorrect use of of should select because it gets called all the time, and then you're just in terrible shape. And I and I was trying to figure out why that was, and I guess it makes sense that you you enable this keyboard access, this keyboard control, even without a physical keyboard. It's trying to think well. What's what's the helpful thing I could do? Let's highlight some particular item. And it says, well, we've got a collection view. And if you look in the stack trace, there is this private Apple method saying, you know, does the delegate implement it? And if so, let's go ahead and call it. And they just keep calling it and keep calling it and keep calling it. And then you can run into these terrible problems. Um, but this this was like one of those debugging things where I, I honestly, I don't know how I would have found it without the, the, the help of, of my stunning colleague um, who, who tracked it down and, and also can some customer service um, people, but you know everybody comes across this problems like and and as we all know, debugging. You know, once you know how something to how to reproduce something, that's that's usually half the battle. But sometimes in this case, it was a little bit more subtle as to what was causing it, and then after that, trying to figure out well what's the solution, the solution because there is no API for you to know is this extended keyboard setting on, and the extended keyboard setting itself is is something that allows third party to third parties to develop these you know keyboards that give you access to key you know, keep, you know, key strokes or key taps, whatever, um, and allow third parties to do these specialized swipe keyboards or, or grammatic, you know, grammatic grammar checking keyboards and stuff like that. So it is a setting that is, is fairly arcane. And I honestly, even myself, don't know why the, the, the customer had it on this particular case. And it may have been one of those things like like my son who complained when I, he passed me his headphones. I thought, man, these headphones, the kids' music these days, it absolutely sucks. And he was and he had no idea because he's, you know, of the generation doesn't listen to stereo or doesn't didn't grow up with it and he didn't know that there was an obscure accessibility setting of turning everything to mono so there are sometimes these obscure settings that really modify the behavior of your app and so when in doubt check on some of those things you never know what you might find so that's that is the happy resolution to my sad happy concerned uh, chagrined um, hopeful dashed hope finally got it working out um and 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 now the sun is shining so that's good news you found it okay so question how long did it take you to find it i mean we're talking we're talking a few hours of frustration are we talking you know days of frustration it well i mean i i had after my my colleague i think after he saw the video i I don't know how long it took but it was it was he was able to determine because the video just made it clear what was was going on because this was a case where it was a multi-device thing it's like here's the behavior here's how it's set up on the web here's the behavior on this ipad you could see in the video that it it had uh, you know it was an ipad pro with a hardware keyboard and another ipad but the, he could tell because of, of the way things were working or something in description he thought oh let's try that so it was a lot of sleuthing work and i i think it took a while once once i could reproduce the problem it took a while for me to figure out and stop in in setting all the debugger breakpoints to be able to say okay when is it happening when is it happening what's the what's the control flow so that you know that that can take a while 
then once I figure out, okay, well, this is why it's happening, then I'm trying to figure out, well, how can I prevent it happening? Because this is one of those cases where, you know, there, there's a, a distinct behavior change in the number of times should selected index path is, is being called because like once for normal operation, you reload a collection view, it goes through, it's trying to figure out, and it makes sense looking back at it now, kind of figuring out which cell is selected is, is an important thing to do. And in, you know, and, uh, then then I try to figure out, well, kind of, could I determine, you know, definitively, is is this keyboard, is this whatever extended key, full keyboard access enabled? And I looked and there is no API for it whatsoever. There's no, no, so there's Apple will not tell you, hey, you have this setting on. Sometimes you can, you can tell like if, if voiceover is on, but this is something else that just simply don't. So I, you know, then I, I it was like, I found myself making the logic incredibly complicated, and if you try to, if it, I think one of the, one of the hints and tricks for the the folks out there is like if you find yourself making multiple bool values, like is like is this condition true? Is this condition good? And then complex things. If three these three conditions are 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 true, but this one is not true, then do this. If it's that complicated, something else is wrong. So then I started saying, well, digging into it, and this is where I was getting at, is that. You know, when you use, you know, did select versus should select, there are arguments about what you, what, you know, when you should do it. Um, but in, in this particular case, we found, uh, I, you know, that there was no need to, to implement. You could combine the code that we had spread between those two things and, and make it a lot cleaner and just a, a better class because this was done by somebody who was very, very new to UIKit and, and, and Objective-C at the time. So it's like one of those things where it worked fine for years and years and years, and now you kind of makes you find out that a pattern that had been used is kind of no longer, you know, bites you in the end. And I think at the end, this, this idea of extended keyboard is also, relatively speaking, new. I mean, it, it, new to that. I mean, it was, it was years after that class was first created that you could have these third-party keyboards. So it's one of those things. It was, uh, it, debugging can be difficult sometimes, but when, when, you, when you get it done, boy, you're, you're so happy. You certainly are. Debugging is possibly one of the most frustrating and at the same time most rewarding um, things in in the world and sometimes just both um or, or one of them so, you know it's it's when you spend three days looking for something and it's a you know a comma in the wrong place cause the problem or something yeah. like that it's um and, and you know sometimes for someone like me uh it's you know this is a good reason to not use strings in your um code but just use enums we can you know i i i've had some issues with dyslexia you know so i i can read the same st- code 20 times looking for strings that are different and i won't necessarily yeah, even yeah. see them <laughs> um oh, so yeah. it's uh yeah so you know it, it's i think you know a bug like that you know you're not you have know, said if, if you're always gonna be at a different stage of your career you're always going to know different things and a bug like that is like unavoidable you're, you're always going to get something of that that you do something one day and two years later you realize it was wrong or you did but it's forgotten about or someone else did it or whatever but there are lots of bugs that you should see coming, and you know this is the whole, you know, uh, some famous old crusty greybeard in, you know, computing always used to do articles that would you demonstrate that it costs ten times more to fix a bug than it does to get it right in the first place, um, you know. So really defensive programming um, to sort of try and avoid those bugs in the future is, you know definitely worth doing but then all of us are always on deadlines and we're always doing it and so we always just say we'll clean that up later and you know later never comes 
So yeah, one one that 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 reminds me of one thing. Before it it skips my my old mind. It's like a, a little hint that you can do is ask yourself if this code path was executed ten times a second versus you know once every minute. How would that change? And that that's a question to ask yourself in general because that's that's what with the presenting problems you get this thing appearing all over the time and and you can say well I can prevent something from being presented but it's it is a subtle question to to think about um, because I will help guide you in, in your solution because oftentimes if something is going to be get called multiple times maybe that's the bad place for for putting some complicated logic or maybe if especially if it's expensive it's like oh my gosh and so. Uh, there's my little hint. Now I'm going to shut up and let you um, bask in the glory of your day. Well, I've spent two weeks working on MoneyWell uh, with very few interruptions, which has been really nice. It's the first time in maybe ever that's happened because uh, um, I've not been engaged in any client work. Uh, uh, Matt has been doing some client work, um, the stuff there. We had one client contract come to an end. Um, it may start again, but at the moment it's in an end. So I've been working on it. And a few weeks ago, I mentioned that we would, um, you know, we'd t- take a step back and said, we've been approaching this for far too long as engineers, and it's time to start approaching it as business people. And uh, just mind us, so we've gone back to the original MoneyWell app um, uh, to do improvements and sinking back in there, taking a transition to, we were quite a long way through a rewrite, but still a long way off finishing, you know, still a long, long way off. We, we were estimating at least a year. Um, based on the complexities, um, so so the goal was just, just to remind people who who because it's been a while since I spoke about it. So we've gone back to the original app and we're, we're taking a multi-year approach to transitioning from the current to the new, as opposed to to rewriting it. And this is being driven by you know we've got to sell this thing, we've got to make some money. We, we you know one of the reasons we're going slow is we're doing client work to fund it. If we could actually sell more of what we've got, we'd have to do less client work and we move forward faster. So it's about doing business decisions as opposed to not just engineering decisions but sometimes engineering decisions are business decisions as well um and so i'm re-implementing sync in the current moneywell um and we're using ensembles because moneywell is a core data app and one of the things we've done as i've said previously is in the new app is we've taken core data out and we'd used uh mysql one of the reasons for that is you know we possibly wanted to look at uh, in the future doing, you know, maybe an Android client and whatever else, and, you know, Core Data would not allow us to do that. Um, but, you know, ripping Core Data out of the current app and replacing it is just too much work, so business decision, it stays as Core Data. If you're going to sync Core Data, Ensembles makes sense. Um, now, the easy thing to do would just be to use iCloud um, because that will be up and running very fast, no infrastructure on our part. But when just thinking about our application, um, it's... Uh, uh, you know, there is a scenario, especially you know, we're home home budgeting, home finance, where you know partners might want to share the data, which would mean that they would have to share an iCloud account, which lots of people don't. You know, and logging in and out of iCloud accounts on a device is really not very nice. I don't know if you've ever tried it, but you know, no. every, you know your photos disappear and then come back, you know, and all sorts of things. So it really is recommended to keep your device on an iCloud account and don't change it unless you really, really have to. Um, so we decided we needed some sort of other infrastructure and we went through the normal things. You could do Dropbox, you could do um, you know, um, uh, things like that, but requiring somebody to have a third-party service to use it 
didn't feel great. And equally, uh, the issue with another third-party service, and we've mentioned before, you know, they're black boxes, and when things go wrong, there's nothing I can do about it. So even though it's more engineering work, we did choose to do our own, um, you know, a, a back end. Um, now, Ensembles comes with a back end that will work with S3 via a node server that you can run. And it comes with a very simple little node app that run, runs. But because of other things coming up in Moneywell and the way things are going to be done, we're going to need other server infrastructure as well. And, and one of the decisions we're having is, look, you know, we are not a Netflix or an Amazon or an Apple. You know, I don't know. I, you know, I should imagine quite a large percentage of non-content producing Netflix employees are involved in looking after servers. <laughs> um, you know, uh, we don't. I, you know, we didn't want to get in this position. Firstly, we don't know enough about servers to be that competent um, in it, and we don't want to end up with suddenly like six different backend systems on six different servers using different technologies. Where you know we have we we somehow managed to scale up. You know we get tens of thousands of users, and our servers are all creaking, and we've got to look after all these servers. We made the decision that you know we wanted to try and get a a single backend solution that would work for everything we needed a server side for in the application. So that meant wrapping something you know an ensemble's backend into our other backend and in doing it there as well. Um, now, Ensembles, it's, it's nicely written. It comes, you know, the, the back-end um, stuff all works through a class that implements a protocol. So, in theory, as long as you implement a class that implements this protocol and does things expecting, you can stick anything you like on the back-end. So, I've been um, uh, rewriting, um, uh, writing a back-end implementation for Ensembles to use PARS. Now, remember PARS from many years ago? I do. I didn't know it still existed. Well, PARS was open-sourced. The people who ran PARS open-sourced it afterwards, and it's got a pretty active community. Um, and um, it's pretty nice for, for quite lots of things. And the reason it was very popular at the time because it, it was very easy to store back-end data and do things in it. Um, you know, it became very popular. Obviously not popular enough because they shut it down, but um, or well, it was free, wasn't it? That's probably making costing too much money. Um, and there are some companies that do PaaS hosting, so our goal is to, you know, host host to the back end in PaaS, and um, uh, where, where someone hosts it, at least initially hosts it for us, because we thought that was a way forward because we can begin by. If we pay someone to host PARS for us on one of the, you know, just, you know, pay so much a month count and you can scale it up to the next level and whatever else, you know, that's great because it's their job to make sure the servers are running. It's their job to make sure, you know, if PARS gets updated, it's their job. And if we ever get, but it gives us the option, if we ever get so big that that becomes economically unviable, PARS is an open source platform. We can then start running our own servers and doing it. So it had a, it was a... um uh, an engineering solution that could be done quickly now that had an out for us. So uh, yeah, so I've been writing the back end stack now. Yeah, that's that's the first part of the story. The second part of the story is, you know, even though it's got a protocol, you know, trying to make sure that your back end service is doing exactly the same as what Ensembles expects is a different matter. <laughs> and you know, having no idea when it's uh, working. So it's been quite interesting because debugging, debugging a sync tool where you've written the sync tool. Um, and you're not 100% sure how the sync tool works internally is interesting. 
and educational, shall we say. So, uh, uh, but it, it seems to be going. I'm not going to say working yet, but it, it seems to be going. Um, and so that's good. So it means we can now, um, we're, we're using uh, lots of server-side functions from the past stuff, but that means basically anything we need to communicate with a, a MoneyWell backend server now will all go through the same um, the same framework that we've written, all be nice and neat. So yeah, this is a case of where, you know, this was more engineering, but we feel business-wise for not having to look after servers going forward, uh, to be able to ensure that we can guarantee what we know what's going on and look after our customers was the right thing to do. So there we are. Business decisions are not always about how much cash you're going to make. Sometimes it's about how are you going to be able to run as a company in the future and are you going to be viable. So that's uh, that's my little story there. Um, yeah, so it's uh, I've been in, in the weeds of uh, of core data and PARS and mixing Objective-C with Swift and lots of things like that, REST APIs, all good, clean fun. Wow, Scotty, I, I, I feel like I should heap praise upon you for having thoughtfully, you know, come to some, some business decisions which were also um, properly, uh, you know, assisted by, by sane engineering decisions. Um, and that, speaking of sane engineering decisions, let's talk about Georg, who's been ta- taunting you on. <laughs> on twitter or is this a sore point i shouldn't talk about it i okay so if anyone doesn't mind uh, 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 a very old friend of john our fractional listener. very old friend of john who's a fractional listener and um i've met and you know become friends with as well but uh you, you've known him for 200 years or something back you? in the back in the back in the yeah. web objects days yes. yeah he, he has basically he did file a new project this week and said, or last week, and said, "Yeah, I'm, I'm going to ship this before Mac definitely <laughs> ships Moneywell." Now, who knows? Well, I, I have no idea how big his project is. He could be sending out a Hello World project for all I know. Um, well, th- th- that's what the screenshot said. Yeah, <laughs> Basically, exactly. he, I could I could ship Hello World and Swift UI <laughs> with a backend, even even if it's written, even if if Hello World comes from some complicated backend that he's written. Yeah. So, and he wanted a bet that he could ship it for. So, although you know, Georg is a very nice guy, and uh, you know, um, uh, I really like him. I am going to. I am wishing debugging hell upon him. Yeah. I am <laughs> okay. Calling calling upon the gods of mysterious threading crashes <laughs> to to exactly. keep him from <laughs> shipping dirtiest. for 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 many many months to come. So there we are. See, yeah. and he's working on a brand new code base where he can choose. Yeah, exactly. He can choose he's that. Cheating. So I, I think it's, it's an unfair app. I think what I should do is I should send Georg a copy of uh, a copy of the Moneywell code base and say, see if you can ship it before I do. With the fitness features there, there's a challenge. And if yeah. it's better, if this is better than mine, that's great. We'll keep his and throw ours away. Exactly. Yeah. So talking of um, uh, code bases that have gone stale and come back again. Okay, not everyone who takes over an application takes years and years to um, to ship it. So um, our friend Christopher Atlan, uh, a number of months ago now, took over Kaleidoscope, the diff tool. Mm. And um, he has been steadily popping out updates for quite a while now. Now, I'd imagine this is because, um, l- let me show you the difference here. You know, Chris is ex- existing app, which is a, a letter opener app. Uh, it has a very old code base as well. It's, uh, I, it's, um, I did a little bit of work for him many, many moons ago, so I have no idea what it's like now, but it's lots and lots of Objective-C. So I bet uh, Chris got the Kaleidoscope uh, 
code base, loads and loads of you know really old Objective C, and said, "Oh, that's just like what I'm used to looking at every day," and got on with it as opposed to rewriting it, <laughs> changing the architecture, working in new versions. So there we are. Lesson to be learnt. So if you were an old Kaleidoscope user and you stopped using it because you thought it was a uh, deadware um, and not there again, it, it is in. Uh, very capable new hands, and um, I think uh, version 2.4 was released, um, was it today or maybe even yesterday, a couple of days ago, um, uh, with better Xcode integration, so to go check it out again. So just a, a shout out to uh, Chris, good job. Well, Scotty, I think the only you know the only existential threat you have now from from some other developer reviving a dead product and bringing it back to life would be if, if Avtag... Uh, were to be revived and shipped. <laughs> did it ever ship in the first place? I think it. I did no. It. That's that's why. That, but I'm sure it was very close. No, it might have. Who knows? So. You see, I do feel because I mean, for listeners who've been with us for not very long, we used to do a a weekly thing called the Avtag Diaries from uh, <laughs> a good friend of ours, Simon Wolf. Uh, um, we did promise we'd never do that again so we have just broken it but there we are um i'm sure he doesn't listen there because he's no longer a, a a mac or ios developer he's a server-side guy now he he uh, mm. he's working in elixir and trendy languages like that so um there we are so he, he he won't be listening to boring old farts like us talking about mac and ios development so we can roar as much as we like anyway avtag was a uh, uh, an application was working on each week. It would come on the show to give us an update because we were going to follow the story of an indie <laughs> developer releasing an app. And so we ended up with two years of, yeah, it didn't do much this week. <laughs> it's a bit like my Money Well report, really, shouldn't it? John, you should find some music that's sort of like a, like a, from a financial uh, TV channel that can go. No, no, and then no, we'll do do, the no. Money Well report and I'll report on Money Well no, each no, week. No. Nope, nope. What we're going to do, I'm going to take a page out of this SNL skit on Peloton. I don't know if they have Peloton in, in, in Europe Oh, or in it's, the UK. it's huge, huge, yeah. Yeah. So what we're going to do is we're going to just substitute with the Curb Your Enthusiasm songs <laughs> as you're talking about in the background. <laughs> there we are. There we are. So, um, it's, uh, yes. Yeah, so uh, basically, uh, if you have a story of apps that you fail to ship, we'd love to hear them. <laughs> therapy for, for maybe we should do a, a segment each week apps that fail to ship and someone can come on and they can tell us all about this great app that we've never got to use <laughs> oh we're having a, we've got time for one more or are we done i don't know what the how long we've been going today uh i don't know i think uh you know we, we we if it's a quick one otherwise we'll give our fractional listeners something to look forward to next week oh i'm just gonna say to you direct connect it's something you guys have in the u.s that we don't have in the uk in europe uh, a way of connecting to banks over um, HTTP and XML and everything. And uh, it, it's a dying technology, but it's the main technology that um, Moneywell uses because it's not moved over to the more modern ones, which is part of the work we're, we're doing over there. But of course, it's... Does that mean it's Simon rewriting it? Yeah, it's... it's um, but basically, uh, banks just change the requirement and they don't tell anybody, and so you get bug reports of this bank doesn't work anymore. Now, you know, Europe isn't like the U.S., where you know you have a bank that just covers like two streets or whatever else. You know, our, our banks tend to be huge, um, you know, cover national and international. So we don't get the. I think my favorite is the first fifth bank of something or whatever, or the third fifth bank of 
and I've no idea what that means, but it just sounds really hokey pokey. But um, yeah, and they, they so these direct connections break all the time. So we then need to get on. We need to get on with Charles, and we need to look and see what's happening and and fix the the new parameter they want or don't want. Um, and they break all the time. And uh, this is tends to be on little minor banks, but uh, USAA broke last week, and they've changed it, and lots of software has broken with it. And the only software it now works with is Intuit's Quicken, and they're doing weird stuff, and it's just a nightmare. Now, the reason I'm saying this is the problem we have with this is we can't access Direct Connect because we're in the UK. So every time we do a fix, we have to hope the fix is made, send it out to some people and see if it really is or not. So that's what you call really long round-tripping debugging. Make up a fix, make a build, send it out to some users, see if it works. Have them send it back, yeah, like, and and also kind of like see if this doesn't drain your bank account and send yeah. it to somebody in in outer Slovenia. So so um, next time you're complaining about how long it takes the simulator to start up, just remember what we're going through with Direct Connect right now. Oh gosh. Anyway, there we are. There we are, John. If people want to um, send love your way. Um, I've got loads here. I'll start bucketing it up later and send some to you. Um, but uh, where should they do it? Well, in the place where we all just swim in love every day. That's Twitter, where you'll find me as Jembe. That's D-J-E-M-B-E, like the West African drum. And Scotty, if people want to either pile on more or come to your defense, either one, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to open that possibility. Where might people do that? Well, if you want to say nice things to me, you should uh, say it at MacDevNet. If you want to say horrible things to me, you should send it to at Georg. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you were going to do that. <laughs> okay, this is what I want people to do. I'm going to, I'm going to I'll publish Georg's email address, and people have got to send him so many emails, he's distracted and can't ship his app. There we go. That's a, that's a developer productivity DDoS. And we'll put his phone number up. And lots of tweets. People have got to tweet him so that, you know, anything to distract him for a couple of years will be good. <laughs> <laughs> Attention, Nigerian scam <laughs> mail artist. Yes. Georg, I have $57 million in a bank account I want to give to you. All you need to do is not ship an app for three months. <laughs> Send me your bank details. Oh, there we are. Well, John, I missed you last week. It's a pleasure to, to hear your dulcet tones in my ears again. Have you gone? Oh, oh yeah. Okay. Yep. No, that's it. Nope. Okay. <laughs> I thought you just left me. Well, I don't know who's on the list to listen this week, but uh, hopefully um, we've not bored you too much. Thanks for listening, and uh, until next time, you take care.